You're listening to Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. My name is Kevin Schmidlin, and today I'm talking with Ben Thomas. Ben is the co-owner of Nice Things Music and is one of the most sought-after audio engineers in Philadelphia. At only 23 years old, he's worked with artists such as Brian McKnight, Post Malone, and Lil Dicky, and he's received two Soul Train Award nominations and an NAACP Award nomination. In this episode, you'll hear how Ben originally planned to work in finance on Wall Street, but as his hobby of recording music evolved into something bigger, he began to put himself out there as a music producer. Pretty soon, opportunity came knocking. And I got a call from Ant again, like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm recording with a friend, whatever. He's like, all right, I don't care what you're doing. You need to come to the studio right now. Ty Dolla Sign just booked the studio out. Nobody else can do the session. This is your chance. He'll talk about what it's like to work with some of the world's most popular artists and how he manages to keep from getting nervous. So I'm going to give the same level of effort and the same energy and the same speed and efficiency to a Post Malone that I'm going to give to an artist from Philadelphia that has 100 plays on Spotify. And we'll talk about the Philly music scene and why it's such a great place for up and coming creators to make a name for themselves. People who have big songs are here in Philly or from Philly and they were just willing to mentor me and teach me. And I feel like that wouldn't have happened anywhere else. So Ben Thomas, who also goes by his producer name, I Am Benjamin, was born and raised in Harlem by his mother and his grandmother. And though his initial roots are in New York City, as you'll hear, Ben is through and through a key figure in the Philadelphia music scene. He co-owns Nice Things Music alongside past guest Chill Moody. He's the main engineer of Rec Philly, a local creative incubator and community co-founded by past guest Will Toms. And he's often seen engineering for tons of different artists at Studio Breed. But when Ben moved to Philadelphia in eighth grade, he had no idea of his impending career as an audio engineer. In fact, in his early days attending high school at Germantown Friends School, he developed a dream to work on Wall Street. This is going to sound crazy, but every January, the juniors had no school. You had the whole entire month of January off. And it was to do an independent project. And so, like, you had to find somebody to supervise it. Like, you couldn't just, like, sit at home. But Germantown Friends is very, like, it's Quaker school. It's very, not out there, but it's, like, alternative, kind of. So... You could do whatever you wanted. So there have been people who like took the whole month under the supervision of like the woodworking teacher and built a guitar. There have been people who one girl, I remember one year she went to New York and like worked on Saturday Night Live and like you do anything. Um, but I was playing basketball at the time. And so I had to be back on campus every single day at three for practice. So my basketball coach at the time, before he was basketball coach, he worked at NASDAQ here in Philly. And so he set me up there. And so that's what I did. And I was like doing Excel stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. So was it that experience in that internship that made you want to go onto Wall Street? Yeah. Or was it something other no, than that? No, it was that. I had no clue about finance or anything like that before. And it was it was great. I worked with great people. And I, I did it for that month of January. And then I went back for the summer. And it was really cool. What about it did you love? Um, I always liked computers a lot. And I always liked problem solving and math and I was just like making 
very complicated Excel spreadsheets all day long with like crazy formulas and stuff, which is interesting because it's kind of what I do now because like Excel is about knowing all the shortcuts and all the key commands and Pro Tools is also about knowing all the shortcuts and all the key commands. So it definitely like helped. But yeah, I learned what Wall Street was. I learned about finance. And I said from that point on, I was like, I when I turn 22 or whatever, when I graduate from college, like I want to go and work at Goldman Sachs. Like That is what I want to do the day I graduate. And that's like the only thing I want to do. So you went to Temple to study? It's complicated because it was like, I said I wanted to do that. And then I found, so around that same time is when I found like music, like seriously. So that same summer, I went to a music camp in New York called Grammy Camp. It was at this studio called Converse Rubber Tracks. I don't know if it's still open, but essentially Converse built this state of the art, like had a vintage 70s Neve console, like every microphone you can think of. It was like just really cool graffiti all over the walls, like just awesome. And it was total marketing play for Converse. So you would go on the website, ConverseRubberTracks.com, and you would apply as a band or as an artist. If they selected you, they'd give you a day of free studio time and give you a bunch of free Converse shoes. And their whole thing was like, if you blow up, you're going to love Converse forever. And so it was just like this massive marketing play for them, but it was awesome. So that was my first time being in an actual studio. I was more advanced than the other kids, which was weird because I hadn't really done that much. I'd been like recording my friends in logic like in my bedroom what kind of music were you making with your friends um hip-hop stuff okay. pop stuff we spent a whole summer making an album that we never put out do you remember your first i guess finalized recording um i made a mixtape in ninth grade with my friend his name is kenny we made a terrible mixtape our math teacher he was like one of the best teachers i ever had his name's dave Pepino. we were like can we use your classroom during lunch to record this mixtape and he said yeah and so we took a week and we used like garage band and the micro like the usb microphone from rock band like i had had the rock band mic and we made this really bad mixtape and i remember we like i stayed up the night before it was supposed to come out and i like, burned all i burned like 200 cds and we like give them out and oh, stuff. Man. so i burned all these cds and i was like yeah we're just gonna give them away and he also burned some CDs and he's like, I'm going to sell them. I was like, dude, you're using, he was like using popular beats from 2010. I was like, can't sell them. I was like on my high horse, like you can't sell those. You, you got, we have to like give them away. And so I'm like handing them out and he's like trying to sell them to people. And we ended up getting into this like crazy argument before like an assembly. And the way our high school was, it was on two sides of a street. So you would cross the street like 10 times during the day or whatever. And I remember we were like going to the assembly and him and I were like arguing. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care anymore. And I take the the spindle of CDs out of my back and I throw them at him. And they're like the white ones. So I throw them at him and it breaks and they're just like white CDs over. I, then I ended up like picking up the CDs and like the ones that weren't scratched and stuff. But And then I got mad at him and I deleted, oh, I'm, uh, I can't believe I did this. I deleted all those files. I wish I still had those. Oh, you don't have the mixtape? No one has a copy. I have a copy of the mixtape but I can't play it because it's framed. And so like the CD is like glued to like, so I can't play it, but it's, I, that's the only copy. None of my friends still have have it on their iTunes library. Like nobody has it. It's just, One day somebody is going to step forward. They're going to have either picked up a stray CD that they found on the street that you missed, or maybe they were the one that bought one. Yeah, somebody <laughs> has to have. It's interesting like if this were to happen now, because I remember my senior year of high school, um, we had this thing called directed independent studies where like if you and a couple friends found something you were interested in, you could, um, if there was a teacher that was willing to like 
teach it or assist you guys in their free time, you could like make it a class. It could be like a regular class in your schedule. So I remember my senior year, there was like six or seven, like eighth and ninth graders who like were really into music production. And like, so me and the jazz band teacher, we like set up a little studio and like we would record with them. I, it was, so it was so different how their process went and their project sounded like tremendously better <laughs> than what we did. But I guess that's how fast technology right. moves yeah, yeah, totally and stuff, yeah. So at that point, okay, so you go to Grammy camp. Yeah. Did that change your outlook on music at all? Like at that point, did you yeah, start it made considering? It, it made me feel like one, I knew what I was doing and that this was like a real career option. I remember some guy came to talk and he was talking and he lost his place in his speech. And I like yelled out where he was. And he was like, I like you. And so then, you know, he was talking to everybody after and I just like waited. And then him and I talked for like an hour and a half after. And his name is Marcos Lozada and he's the vice president of HR at Atlantic Records. And so we connected that day and then like he invited me up a bunch of times, introduced me a bunch of people. And like, we're still, he still tries to provide opportunity for me now, six years later and stuff. But it was like those things were happening at Grammy camp. And like, I remember um, I was in the audio engineering group. And so there was like an audio engineering group production. There was like a band and there was like singers and stuff. And so we were like recording demos all week. Essentially, it was my first time being in a studio. I like just learned what Pro Tools was that day. And, um, but I had been familiar in Logic and like, working with artists from working with my friends for so long um i remember the guy who was directing the band his name was leslie drayton he's like the trumpet player in earth wind and fire and it was like my first experience of like what being in a studio was like and like he was like on me <laughs> like not really i was 16 but like yeah. as much as you could be on a 16 year old there's no clue what he's doing yeah. but he was like he wasn't yelling at me he was like giving me that that experience of like what it's like to like be in a studio under pressure. And so I was like, kind of like this. And I remember the engineer at the studio, he was like, yo man, that's nothing. And like looking back on it, I was like, he was being nice. Like I've experienced way worse, but it was just, it, it gave me like hope, but I was still, it was like some hope, but it was, I was still like tear tottering between the finance thing. And so when I came back to Philly, um, I told my mom about this and I was like, you know, I really want to try this. And uh, I want to no longer have like just a microphone set up in front of a futon mattress that we like propped up in the corner to kind of like be a vocal booth. I was like, I really want to try this. And she was like, all right, like, let's do it. So her friend was a contractor. And so over the course of two or three months, him and I in his spare time, so like an hour here, two hours there, we built a vocal booth in the basement. And so I opened up after five studios in my mom's basement. Cause I was like, I can only do it after five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love it. <laughs> so then you attend temple. Yes. And you're still saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to go into finance. Yeah. Now, at what point did that stop being um, your dream? So it, I was, I attended Temple and I actually, I had applied to like audio engineering programs at all these different colleges, like NYU and Drexel and Belmont and Middle Tennessee State, which they have like the best audio engineering. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. They're right outside Nashville. So the teacher who was leading the audio engineering track at Grammy camp. His name's Nathan Adam. He was the dean of the audio engineering. I think he's at Belmont now. So he was like, you should come to Belmont. I was like, dude, Belmont's like a super Christian Baptist school in the middle of Nashville. Like I'm good, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I still applied. Yeah. Not it. But so I ended up coming to Temple and I was still doing the finance thing. Um, Why did you come to Temple then? What, like, um, I pretty much got a full scholarship to go to oh, Temple. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that'll do it. 
I started off majoring in marketing and then I moved to entrepreneurship and then I was like double majoring in entrepreneurship and, and finance. And my mom had a friend, he used to work at this company called First Trust Financial Resources. So I started interning with him as a financial analyst intern for a summer, freshman year summer. And then I left and I got a call in like October from somebody else in the office. Like, hey, we really liked you. Do you want to come back full time as an intern, like all school year and like all summer? So I did that. And I would say January 2015, that's freshman year, second semester of freshman year at Temple is when like my life completely changed. Within the course of like two months, I was like in a band with some friends and like some stuff was happening where like people were looking at us, but then ended up falling apart. And then that's when I met Chill Moody um, was around that time. One of his friends, uh, this songwriter named Yuffie posted on Twitter. He was like, hey, doing a session with Chill Moody and a couple other people, like we need an engineer that knows how to use Logic. And I was like, I've been using Logic since I was like in 10th grade. A friend of mine sent me the tweet. I was like, oh man, this is about to be it. Like, this is gonna be great. And so I reached out on Twitter and the session never ended up happening. And then the Recording Academy was having like, they used to have all these mixers called In The Mix. And so I went to one because I was familiar with them from going to their music camp, you know? So I went to one and like, I went up to chill and I was like, hey, I'm the guy that was supposed to do that session with you, blah, 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 it never ended up happening. And then we just connected from there. He really gave me an opportunity when nobody else was because he was looking for a new place to record. I had a studio. I was very, very bad at what I was doing. Very bad, but he just like believed in me. Yeah, what do you think he saw in you? I've always been very hardworking and determined. So probably that. I guess he realized that the skills would come. I was going to do whatever I could to like make the best out of what we were working on and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I think maybe it was even the fact that you were there and you came up to him. Yeah. And it was at the right time too, because he was looking for a new place to record and it was like everything lined up. So from there, chill kind of like changed, not even, kind of, he changed my life from there because then the next networking event that the Recording Academy had, Chill's very involved. Like he's a board member now. Um, and I remember the next networking event, we went and he put his arm around me. He said, I'm going to introduce you to every single person in this room. And he introduced me to every single person, like every person in that room. And I've known all of them ever since. Um, so I'd been working with Chill that year and like working with Rec Philly as well. I learned so much just about like working with artists. I think that's something that's benefited me a lot from the very beginning. I was never just like making beats in my bedroom and then like, all right, I need to find a way to get them to people. It was always like I'm recording and like making beats with my friends. And so I always was comfortable working with artists and anybody can learn the technical stuff, but it's about like being comfortable and like just knowing how to work with somebody. And so I had been doing that from the time I was like yeah. 14, 15. So what would you say was the first time that you had an opportunity to work with somebody with like a bigger name and you're like, oh man, I'm, yeah. I'm really onto something here. I had been interning in a studio um, for a while and I was like full class load. I might've even been taking 18 credits at that point. And I'm still working at First Trust Financial two to three days a week. And at that time they were like going through a big corporate merger. So I was like putting in hours. I remember one time I stayed in the office till like 11 o'clock at night. Like, so I'm doing that, I'm doing the, the banking stuff and I'm interning at the studio. So I'm at the studio from like, 9 or 10 p.m. to like 5 in the morning. And I'm doing this like every single day for months. And I remember one day, Aunt was like, hey, Jasmine Sullivan, she doesn't want to come to the studio. Like I bought her all this equipment. Can you go to her house and set it up and like show her how to record herself in Logic? Um, I was like, of course, like, yes. So I go, I take all the stuff, I set it up. I show her how to use it. 
And I was like, I don't know if she's gonna like record herself. So I was like, this is a, a moment right here where like, this is like one of those moments where, you know, you have that, like what decision you make in this moment is gonna impact the rest of your career or the rest of your life, whatever. And so I, I was like, I have two options right now. I can either do what I was told and just like set it up, show her how to use it and just like go back home. Or I can extend myself and be like, you know, if you, want to record here just like call me i'll come back whatever um and so i said that thinking nothing of it i'm like nothing's ever gonna she's not gonna call right, me. Right. like she's people she's been working with like she's super professional she's not I'm, at that point i think i was like 19 like <laughs> she's not gonna call me <laughs> and then two weeks later she called me wow and i went back and then that was in 2016 and we've been working together ever since wow. how did you feel when you saw that she was calling you must have yeah i was i was very nervous <laughs> i was like i remember before like when she called me and was like, hey, can you come like tomorrow or something? I listened to every one of her albums multiple times. So like from, I was like, I need to familiarize myself with her music. And turns out like reality show, her most recent album that came out in 2015, it's like one of my favorite albums. Partially because the music's great and also because I know a lot of the people that worked on it and they've helped my career. And so it's like, I kind of saw, I didn't know them when they were working on it, but it's like, I can kind of see their influences and, and on it and stuff, but I was super nervous. I was nervous for a while, but after a while I was kind of like relaxed. And then around that same time, something else happened where, this is like the classic, how you get to not be an intern at a studio story. I was working with a friend of mine in his apartment and I got a call from Ant again, like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm recording with a friend, whatever. He's like, all right, I don't care what you're doing. You need to come to the studio right now. So, I'm like in the middle of something like what's going on. He's like, Ty Dolla Sign just booked the studio out from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. Nobody else can do the session. This is your chance. Like, come. At this point, it's like seven. He's like, come right now. I was like, I said to my friend, I was like, dude, I gotta go. <laughs> I, gotta, wow. I don't know what to tell you. I yeah. have to leave. And so I left. I went. He ended up showing up at like 11-ish. And we like recorded five or six songs. Like a couple of them ended up coming out. Um, he made a bunch of beats. He was super nice, like really nice, really cool. You must have been so nervous. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> yes. I was very, very, very nervous. Because like the one, the one thing, so if I'm in that position, I'm thinking, okay, they brought me in to work with this guy. So I need him to know that I know what I'm doing, but I'm scared that I don't know what I'm doing, right? Oh, yeah. Is that how you felt? Yeah, so when I first started off at the studio, I had to find a way to differentiate myself. And I knew that like, I'm 18, 19 years old. I don't not, I'm not more talented than the people that are here. I don't know more than them. I don't have more credits than them. I don't have any credits really. What can I do to differentiate myself? So I said, you know what? I'm gonna learn everything that I can learn about the computer. I'm gonna learn everything about Pro Tools. I'm gonna learn everything about Logic. I'm gonna learn how to take the computer apart, put it back together. I'm gonna learn about all the equipment that we have, how to fix it, like if anything. So if anything breaks, you have to call me. And that's what I did and that's how I separated myself because I started with a couple other interns, but that's how I separated myself because like computer breaks, oh, just call Ben, he'll come and fix it. And like console's not working, oh, Ben, we'll look at like those type of things because I had to differentiate myself. And so that's what I did. So Ty Dolla Sign thing, it was kind of like, if not now, then when? Like, yeah, yeah. It, either I'm gonna do a good job, or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna drop the ball, and it, whatever happens, happens. And crazy thing is, I did that session with him, and we did all these songs, and I didn't think like he remembered me from that. And then fast forward to like May in America weekend this year, he comes back to the studio. I see him in the hallway, and he like says something to me, and it like dabs me up. And it's like, yo, man, how you been? Like, blah blah blah. I was like, 
Okay, I guess I did not a bad job because I didn't think he was going to remember me That's after awesome. all those years and stuff. You must have been so pumped when he actually said, hey. Yeah, I, I mean, I, didn't, I really didn't think he was going to remember me. Wow. So one of the most requested guests that I've had for this show, and got to get him someday, yeah. maybe soon, I don't know, is Lil Dicky. Yeah. Now you've worked with Dicky. I have. What was I've, that like? So it was an experience because of me. So I remember Dave Silver called me that morning he says, yo, I just got a text from Lil Dicky's manager. He's in town. Because he lives in LA. He's in town. He wants to go to the studio. He wants to work. Do this session. I was like, dude, I'm in bed. I have fever. I have the flu. I know. And then he calls me again. He's like, no, 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 seriously. You need to do this. I said, dude, I am in bed. I'm sick. I'm not doing this. And so then Jason Berger, my business partner, attorney, he calls me. He says, if you don't get out that bed and do this session, it's like, all right. So I go, I feel terrible. Like I go to the studio. He's there. We record a bunch of stuff. He was one of the nicest people I've ever met. Everything about like his personality is authentic and yeah. real. And, like, that's who he is. <laughs> he's that goofball. <laughs> yeah. He's super, super nice guy. And so we just like worked on some songs and... It was great and we've kept in contact. I've worked with him in LA and stuff. He's just really, really nice guy. And so then right after that, I have to go from that session up to my high school to continue because their acapella concert was that same night. And so I go, I finish recording that. I'm like, at the end of that, I'm like, I this is this is not this is not it. I don't yeah, feel good. So, so I go right to the hospital. <laughs> you went to the hospital. <laughs> like right after the acapella concert. So it was like Lil Dicky session, acapella concert, hospital. So what a day. Yeah, it was, but it was another one of those, like, this is the opportunity and you kind of just yeah. have to go with yeah. it. Um, same thing happened when I did sessions with Brian McKnight. It was like, yeah, this what's is, the story there? Uh, he was, he came, his flight landed early from his tour in Philly and he was like, I'm here. Might as well work. He knew aunt. He called. It was, we did an eight hour session. He was also very nice guy. I've been lucky that I haven't had any like, terrible experiences like where you meet a super famous person and they're like trashed yeah, like, yeah everybody i've met even post malone are very very nice everybody i worked with is like super nice super gracious and brian mcknight was extremely nice and then it was crazy because i don't really think much about anything i work on I work on songs they come out when they do they don't when they don't like you can't get bogged down in that because you're gonna drive yourself crazy mm -hmm. constantly thinking about when is this gonna come out when is this gonna come out and it was crazy because one of the songs I did with Jasmine, um, the Insecure song with Bryson Tiller for the show and Brian McKnight's album came out within two weeks of each other in oh, wow. August of 2017. And I knew nothing about either of these yeah. when they were happening. Now, the song that you mentioned would be the lead single for the HBO show Insecure. Yeah, yeah. so it was called Insecure and it was like this theme song for season two. Did you know that that was going to be the case nope. when you guys were recording? Nope. So Walk me through the moment you found out that that was happening. There's a video of the moment I found out that this was happening, actually. I was in the studio with uh, one of my clients and really good friends, Sean Smith. And he had his friend Rel there, who's like his photographer. And he just like happened to be taking video at that moment. And I got a text from somebody like, hey, this song just came out. Like, did you work on this? And I Googled it and I freaked out. Like, oh, yeah. How'd you freak out? You must have been like... Oh, there was, there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of like jumping up and down and high-fiving, everything. And then like I had to open up my Pro Tools session and like open up the song. And I'm like playing it back and forth like <laughs> to make sure that it's like the same version. Yeah. Like texting everyone. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. So I can't really call anybody. I think I texted Chill. I don't know if he answered. I called my mom. I don't think she answered. Like just texting everybody, like calling people. And so it was like... 
Wow. Because it was, like I said, I don't think anything about, you know, the songs I work on. It's just kind of like whatever happens, happens. And that was like the first big thing that I had worked on. So tell me about the moment you were done with finance for good. So to take it, the story fully back, um, I was very, very close with my grandparents, especially my grandmother, because my grandfather died in like 2001 when I was like five. But I was very, very, very close with my grandmother um, before she passed away. She passed away when I was 13, I think. And I always believe that like my grandparents are like looking down and, and protecting me. And like I have these two pictures that were on like the mantle at my old apartment or like right above the TV at my new apartment. And it's like me at like two years old on two opposite sides of the same room in their house. Like one is with my grandmother, one's with my grandfather, but it's like the same day. I'm wearing the same two-year-old outfit. And I always believe that they were like watching out for me and stuff. And I remember I had moved out of my mom's house. I was like living on my own by Temple. I had a girlfriend at the time. She was living with me. Like I had a job. It was good. And so I quit my job and I didn't know what's going to happen next. And I'm in the car with my mom outside my apartment having like this conversation. I'm upset. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And she's like, it's all going to work out. And I walk out of the car and I walk up the stairs and literally sitting on the floor mat right outside of my apartment is a $20 bill sitting right there. And I was like, if this isn't a sign. And I, I don't know what happened when I moved, but for the two years that I lived by Temple, I never spent that 20. It sat right in between their pictures on my mantle. I never spent it right when I thought that I wasn't going to be able to do this. Like those songs started coming out. And, you know, when the Insecure song came out, the Brian McKnight album came out, I got like Soul Train Award nomination and like a couple NAACP Award nominations and stuff. And it was really awesome. And it kind of was the thing that like propelled my career forward because then people were like, okay, he actually knows what he's doing he i could point them to songs that came out that they've heard on the radio and stuff and it was things they would just happen so like we were in i had an aunt who lived in uh in maryland at the time and like we went to my cousin's first birthday party and like my mom ended up like falling had to go to the hospital and stuff and i'm leaving the hospital with my aunt and we get in the car and we turn on the radio and it's the, the insecure song comes on the radio and it's just like just little signs little like stuff. that. Yeah, it, it's the little stuff that keeps me going now. So you are still very much based in Philadelphia. Yes. Have you felt any pull to New York or LA or Nashville? Yes, the pull to LA is there. I've gone to LA a bunch of times to do work. I've, yeah. And that's where the industry is. But I know that staying in Philly for, especially when I was in school, was the best decision that I made because I could have went to New York or I could have went to LA or to Nashville and I would have just been like another... 18 year old kid like trying to figure this music thing out but there's real music being made here and there's real musicians and real artists and producers and like people who have big songs are here in philly or from philly are still here and i got the ability to just like be the young kid amongst them and like meeting with and learning from people that i like had no business learning from like that were way better than i was and like Grammys and all this stuff. And they were just willing to mentor me and teach me with open arms and stuff. And I feel like that wouldn't have happened anywhere else here because when you go to someplace like LA or New York or Nashville, there's not a lot of people that are from there. It's a lot of people who move there. So they don't have that connection. But here it's like people are here. They're from here. They have that connection to Philadelphia. And so I think that is what kept me here. I'm trying to stay here as long as possible. I like where I'm at right now because I've been able to develop my own career and I 
kind of got a head start. So where most people start like their big studio internships when they graduate college, like I was doing that freshman year, sophomore year. So now it's like I work at the studio and rather than, you know, interning there and stuff. So as long as my clients are still here and I can, and I can stay here, I'm going to. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who, you know, is maybe messed around in garage band or like has designs on making music, but maybe hasn't taken it too seriously quite yet? Um, the first thing is don't just do it by yourself. Get around people that are on your level and level doesn't always have to mean skill wise that are on your level, like exposure wise and career wise, and just like start working with them, people you believe in and help them develop their career because they'll help them, they'll help you develop your career. The progressions that Chill's career has had in the past five years have also helped progress my career and the progressions I've had in my career have helped progress his career. And that's same with other people I, I work with as well. So getting around people and working with people is the first thing. And like, take advantage of your resources. Like there's so many resources on the internet at this point. It's like when we've had interns come to the studio and they like don't know how to use Pro Tools, I'm not gonna teach them. Like I'll show you some like cool little tips and tricks and stuff, but if you don't know the basics, like it's up to you to like, you go online and get a free version from Avid, like the basic version and learn the basic commands and stuff. Like you should know because people are gonna have way less patience because there's so many resources out there. And then if you really wanna do it, you gotta just like do it. You gotta just make music. You gotta find, if you're willing to like put in the hard work, any studio will take you if you're willing to like clean the floors. And I wanna go back to something you said earlier. You mentioned how to get ahead, you learned how to fix all the equipment. You learned how to fix the computer. You learned the ins and outs. Was it just the internet? Like how did you learn how to do all that stuff? Yeah. Um. So. With learning Pro Tools, I mostly owe that to this songwriter and engineer. Um, her name's Typewriter. She's like the best engineer that I know. And so her nephew is one of my good friends. And she used to live where me and my mom used to live in Mount Area. And he was like, hey, my aunt's like looking for a new studio to record. She's like working on some stuff with some people. And I was like, sure, you can use my studio. Like it's not much, but like, hey, it's studio. And um, I let her pretty much like use my studio whenever for years and I would just like sit next to her and just watch and learn and like watch how she was using not just how she was using Pro Tools but like how she was talking to the artists that she was working with and like how she was getting people to sing a certain way and give a certain performance and how she was comping editing their vocals so I was just like sitting there watching and so it was a combination of that and just like the internet I mean like if you google how to mix vocals on YouTube probably watched the first 50 or 60 videos at this point like just constantly learning and doing it's like all right i'm stuck how am i gonna figure this out all right i'm gonna look it up or i'm gonna that's because that's how you figure that's how you figure stuff out you know i'm an only child so i'm very independent i can keep myself busy and occupied and stuff what are you excited about most for the next year that you can say <laughs> i've been working on a lot i've been i've been working on a lot and i'm just excited for people to hear it yeah honestly this year has been weird for me because I'm used to like working on songs and then like they come out and it's like, all right, cool. You know, you just like closure. But as you start working on different types of stuff, it's like the timelines are way longer. And so it's just like, I'm excited to see what comes out of the stuff that I'm working on. I'm excited to just keep growing and keep getting better. I feel like I get better every single day. I feel like, I feel like if your best mix isn't your last mix, like something's wrong. Yeah. You know, you have to constantly be evolving and, constantly be getting better like i invest in myself a ton so like 
think I spend like $500 a year on different subscriptions, like video services and stuff like that to just constantly learn and constantly getting better. So that's, that's really what I'm most excited about is just like continuing to progress and continue to get better. Because like, if you had told me in 2016 that like in 2017, all that stuff was going to happen and the songs coming out and the awards and all that, I would be like, you're, I don't know what you're talking about. So I try not to even think about that because I literally never know. Like, I didn't know I was going to work with Post Malone this year. Like that was crazy. Yeah. How'd that come about? One of his producers is from Philly and he was here for Made in America and wanted to get in the studio. And so they were, I was Once like, again, just, yeah, the so guy. the studio breathe that I, I've been working at, I have my own smaller studio that I mostly do my mixing in that I um, share with Daryl Robinson and Aaron Draper and the Origin Band. I share it with them, but they're always on the road. So it's mostly just me. And I just, the um, two women, Helen and Terry, who own Breed, they just knocked on the door and like, hey, Post Malone's coming. You want to do it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if I'm you at that moment, like, oh my God, like, what do I do? So what I've learned is no matter who you're working with, like, still press command space where I just start recording in Pro Tools. It's still the same. You still give them the same energy. I don't work up to anybody because I don't have, I don't work down to anybody. So I don't have to work up. So I'm going to give the same level of effort and the same energy and the same speed and efficiency to a Post Malone that I'm going to give to an artist from Philadelphia that has a hundred plays on Spotify. Like I'm going to give them all the same energy and the same diligence and the same work ethic so that I don't ever have to turn it on. The only difference that I see in those sessions is they just move faster because the artists know what they want and they're more comfortable recording and they're more confident. So they just move faster and they're just really good. But other than that, like I use the same template. People have asked me like, what did you use on his vocals? The same template I used on yours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have the same template. I have the same process. I'm the same chill, calm person. Like it wasn't, I don't really get starstruck because I'm always meeting people in a working context, but it was just like, this is, this is cool. Yeah, like, I yeah. hope something comes out of this. So, but I didn't, if you told me that in 2017, I didn't think that was going to happen. So I don't know what next year is going to hold because I don't really try to like look into those things, you know? Yeah, yeah, cool. So I have a couple questions that I ask every guest just to get different perspectives. What would you say is a common misconception about you? That I'm always busy. Yeah, that's a big one. Being busy is great, but having a perception that you're always busy can cause you to miss out on things because people won't even call anymore because they they're like, yeah, it'd be like, you're always busy. My whole philosophy behind that is I, I'm very much a New Yorker on the inside. So like I, my brain is just active all the time. And so like, I'm not sitting idly waiting for anything to happen. I'm going to go out and make it happen for myself if nothing's happening. But I try to leave time and understand priority and stuff. So that if something comes up, like I think I had a session that night when the post Malone session happened, but that was like something that you do, like you move things around. I was even with when I told you about the Ty Dallas thing, I was in another session with somebody else. So it's like not saying that I'm like always looking to cancel on people. I try never to cancel anything, but I think a big misconception is that I'm always busy and that this is all like me. It's like the only thing about Ben is he's like an engineer. It's like I have other things. Yeah. I like to cook. Yeah. <laughs> I like to ride my bike a lot yeah. when it's not cold. You yeah. Know? But yeah, I think those are the big ones. It's a bummer when you have to say like, I can't make it, but please invite me the next time too, because yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe I can, I would really like to, and maybe I can't make that one. Yeah. And yeah. How many times you've heard, oh, we, we were going to invite you, but we figured you could make it. And it was All like, the time. No, I was just sitting at home. All <laughs> the time. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's the biggest one. Yeah. Um, 
If you could send a message to yourself in the past at any point in time, butterfly effect aside, so you know it wouldn't really change anything, yeah. uh, what would you say? Just like be willing to take risk. I'm not a big risk taker, which sounds like crazy when I told you I quit my job after I moved into a new apartment and stuff, but like just be willing to take more risks right. is the big one. In the music industry, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing Philadelphia today? Retaining talent. And I think, you know, what Chill and I and Jason are trying to do with Nice Things Music and what Rec Philly is trying to do, like, is to try to give people the chance to, like, stay here and make viable careers. But retaining talent is, because we have it. I mean, look at all the artists that are, like, quote unquote on from Philly, like, whether it's Lil Uzi or PNB Rock or Meek. Meek Mill has the number one album in the country right now. Like, Meek Mill, and he has Philly people on it, which is awesome. Like, there's some new, younger Philly producers. Um, on there um, shout out to my homie Andrew who produced the intro like that's awesome that's amazing for him um, but like Meek Uzi PNB Rock like Bree Steves Tierra Whack Tierra Whack just got nominated for a Grammy like that's crazy and a lot of those people are still here I mean I see Uzi almost every single day but like retaining talent I think is is the big one is not having to have people run to LA or to New York and so I think that's the biggest issue yeah. we have on the flip side what excites you most about Philadelphia today? The talent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same thing. The talent. Yeah. I mean, the talent. There's so many talented people. There's so much opportunity, um, untapped potential here. I think people automatically think that they have to like leave, but there's so many amazing records being made here. And we've always had a long legacy of talent. I mean, there's not a single artist who's like really touring who doesn't have somebody in Philly from their in their band, which is crazy. So the talent is like on both sides, like retaining it, but also the fact that there's so much talent yeah, there. Yeah, that's cool. Finally, if you could send one message to every Philadelphian, so everybody that lives in Philadelphia, whether a tweet, plane in the sky, billboard, whatever it is, every Philadelphian can ponder it. What would you say? Continue to support Philly people when they're doing stuff, you know? There's, there's no reason that we should have shows that are empty here with great artists and it's like, continue to support your city and help people that are trying to win here win because the thing about philly people winning is they'll always show love back to their city and bring people with them but we have to help support them for more on ben i am benjamin thomas you could head to podphillyhoo.com forward slash ben or check out the show notes if you like the show, be sure to subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave a rating. You can also follow along on Instagram and Twitter at PodPhillyWho. PhillyWho is a Q9 production with editing by Max Graham, music by Lee Rosevere and Kevin McLeod, and artwork by Lauren Carhart. My name is Kevin Schmidlin. Till next time. <laughs>